Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest feists to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to another episode of Tree Talking Time. If you're listening to this the week it comes out, it is the week of Autumn Oaks. I will be headed out on Wednesday with my dad. Just make sure you stop by the booth and see us. We'll be somewhere outside in a white tent. We'll have shirts, hats, and stickers available, as well as some stuff from Conkeys. Going to be doing a giveaway Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The winners will receive a subscription of Full Cry. And Thursday, Friday, you'll get a gift card to Conkeys. Saturday, you'll be getting a razor strap vest from Conkeys. Like I said, I'm going to have some shirts and hats available and stickers as well. If you are not able to make it to Autumn Oaks and you're interested in my shirts, you can still find them at dusupply.com under the podcast and partners tab. So look forward to seeing everybody there. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to hopefully record some, some great podcasts while I'm there as well. Until then, enjoy this episode with Larry Case. I've been wondering, Adam Higginstaller told me, he was supposed to send me a copy of that new Hound magazine. Yeah. And I got a cur dog story in it. I saw. I got a copy of it. Well, and I'm like, where the hell is my, <laughs> is my, you know, mm-hmm. and I come just now talking to you. I come back here. This what I used to call my office. It is so piled up. <laughs> I mean. It it's the office cubbyhole from hell. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so stacked up. I don't I can't work here no more. I go in yeah. on the dining room table, which is insane when I'm home. And I see Helen brings mail back here when it comes in, and I'm not here, and all this stuff, and there's stuff piled up. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, here's an envelope from OSG. There's your, there's your magazine. <laughs> here, here's the magazine. So I'm talking too much and not at all. You tell me what to do. Well, since you started talking about OSG and, and the new hound magazine, why don't we get started there? Um, you know, I love print publications. Um, I've written a few articles for a couple of magazines. Um, and I've kind of just dipped my toe into that water, but that's something you have a, a lot of experience with. So I kind of want to hear about that experience and maybe, um, maybe even pick your brain I, a little bit about that experience. Uh, I'll talk about whatever you want to. And I know you've seen that I've talked too much. Um, <laughs> so uh, you just tell me. Who, what, when, where? And <laughs> well, let's talk about. Like I said, let's talk about your new your new article in the new your article in the New Hound magazine. Um, you know, where did that come from? I mean, I don't think most people expected OSG to put out a Hound magazine. Well, um, I would say not. It's uh, I don't want to call it unorthodox or whatever, but you know, it's probably not what dare I say, hip and popular now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But I don't know a whole lot about the 
the origin of it. I uh, first started hearing about it. I'm sure you know uh, Adam Hagenstaller, who is a he's like the editor in chief at at for the Game and Fish publications. Okay. And I met him way back when he was actually at the NRA pubs at that time, publications. He was at American Hunter, and I got to know him, and, uh, you know, we did some stuff. I did some stories for him for American Hunter and whatever. And somewhere back there (laughs) in the past year or more, he started – you know, making mention of this, they were looking at this, you know, it's uh, a magazine about hunting dogs, but, you know, not bird dogs and retrievers. Yeah. Well, well, of which there are a lot. Yeah, which, know. hang on one sec. So for the listeners, OSG is Outdoor Sportsman's Group, and they produce yeah. a lot of high-end, yeah. very common publications like uh, Gun Dog and... Uh, Wildfowl, you know, they are all products of OSG. So, yeah, I I can't even name them all. Oh, there's there's a whole lot more, but I'm just saying from the from a dog yeah. sense, those are the dog ones. They kind of right, and there's fish and game, and I mean it's everything from guns and ammo yep. to they they have a huge umbrella. Yeah, and I was really personally glad to hear him start talking about this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely uh, a hound type tree dog is what I envisioned type magazine. And, um, I mean, Adam probably won't mind. He started talking about hound and, and all of you hound guys, of course, and it is a cool name, Yeah, but I mean, and I told you before I've had hounds most of my life and beagle hounds and coon hounds. And, but I got into the cur dog thing and I'm like, Hey man, don't name it hound, <laughs> you know, cause it's going to have cur dogs and other stuff in it. And, but that's what, and, and it's fine. I mean, yeah. I think people will know it's all these other hunting type dogs. But anyway, and actually another writer that I know who's in that world, I mean, he does a lot of stuff. I know you've seen his stuff. His name is Brad Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. And he's done a bunch of stuff for different magazines. And I've been on a hunt or two maybe with him. Okay. Uh, geez, I'm looking in the magazine right there, and there he is. He's got, he's got um, a couple articles in there. Yeah, he's got an article here interviewing um, um, some breeders. It looks like the... Mm-hmm. One of them for the cur dogs is Alan Franklin, and yep. you know anybody in the cur dog world knows um, Alan Franklin. Definitely it originated the Thunderbred dogs, but anyway, and he, I'd say he, Brad was uh, he was scheming with Adam on this project as well, and and I just. I just thought it was cool. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm so glad they came out with this. I I hope it's successful. I hope it lasts. Mm-hmm. And it's just something, you know, that we don't 
hear about as much of their stuff. And to be honest with you, as a side note, I'm flipping through here. I know, and I'm just making a personal note, about all of these guys. So Richard Mann got in here. Who You know, I know Richard Mann. He's a another West Virginia writer. Big gun guy. He's the main. I've known Richard for years. He's the main shooting editor at Field and Stream now. Oh, wow. He lives probably 45 minutes from me down the road. Mm-hmm. And he's in here because his, back in his past, he's an old coon hunter, you know. That's cool. So Richard Mann's in here. Brad Fitzpatrick. Um, Adam has the article in here. Doug Hallett. Another writer, writer, editor who I've known for years, he's got a thing in here on deer dogs, which I think is cool. Yeah. I know a lot of people that do that. I still, I've not done it myself. It's fun. Every deer season, I say I'm going to go do it, but I haven't. You need to. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I know I need to, but it's, uh, Cool magazine even got an article in there about cur dogs from Larry Case. Speaking of Larry Case, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Larry? Well, <laughs> I, you know, I think you and I had this conversation. As much as I talk, it's still hard to talk about myself. Well, you can all have to just give the people that are listening the Cliff Notes version of who Larry <laughs> Case is. Yeah. Well, you're pretty I'm accomplished. A, um, well, I don't even know about that, Matt. Um, I'm a West Virginia guy, born and bred here. I'm a hillbilly. I'm, I'm proud of the hillbilly. That maybe is a topic for another time, but um, I, I do not take offense at that. And I have a whole story about that. But like most, kids of my era you know i'm a baby boomer born and raised here uh my dad was a hunter and fisherman so it was very natural for me to follow along grew up hunting lived for it thought i was going to die if i didn't get to go every time (laughs) he did um because of those guys i guess raised or that interest. I mean, I was one of those kids that the bug bit early, yeah. you know, and we have this whole thing about talking about hunters now and, and increasing our hunter numbers and getting kids into it. And there's a thing, and I've read about it more than twice. It's, uh, you know, it's this human nature. The bug either bites you or it doesn't. Yeah. You know, I take five kids hunting for the first time. You know, two or three or five of them maybe really want to go into that lifestyle and others don't. And it's not good or bad. It's just what happened. Yep. But I was one that was terrible into it, hunting, fishing, trapping, the whole mess, hunting dogs, coon dogs, rabbit beagles. Um and I guess because of that, I was one of those kids, which a lot of kids that grow up hunting, I believe, move into this. You know, they naturally, when they hear about 
what they think it is. They want to be the game warden, you know. They want to be a conservation officer. So I was one of those. That's what I said. The only thing I ever wanted to do, as much as a kid knows. Mm -hmm. So I moved into that, uh, took some criminal justice stuff in school, actually worked as a a guide on New River for the very first whitewater company, which there's a pretty big industry there now. Yeah. But when I started, there was one company. I worked there for a while, and I got the call from DNR. I had one day off between the jobs, <laughs> and I moved in to being a, it was a conservation officer, what most people call a game warden. Yeah. Nice. And I was just eat up with it. That's what I wanted to do. I lived that pretty much for 36 years. Mm-hmm. Probably stayed there too long. Uh, You know, how do you gauge that? I don't know. But in the later years of my career, I got through some friends I know. One of my friends lives right here in town who's always been around that industry. A guy by the name of Chris Ellis, if you've ever heard of him. I haven't. Most. Most people in the industry know him. He had his own PR company, worked with everybody in the industry. Okay. And moved in on, and he had uh, Timney Triggers, which you probably know of, and wound up going to work full-time for them. And I was around him several years ago, and the guy I mentioned to you, Richard Mann, who was kind of fledgling outdoor gun writer then. I mean, we're talking going on 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And being around people like that, I got around some of these industry hunts, you know, and events for outdoor writers with the department, helping out with those. And I got exposed to the whole mess, really. Okay. And there was a world, I mean, I kind of knew about, but not really, you know, if you're a kid, you, you know, I was the kid laying on the floor reading for a fishing game and outdoor life and all that. Yeah. And, oh, my God, grow up to be a writer, <laughs> get paid to do this. And, you know, so anyway, later in my career, I was exposed to some of this and I got around it. So about the time I started got closer to retirement, even though, I, like most things, I didn't plan it very well. Um, I actually had a, from a paper here in Beckley, had an editor first come to me and said, hey, why don't you think about doing outdoor column for us? Nice. A little weekly outdoor thing. Just there wasn't any parameters or anything put on it, which is the way my, you know, I do a weekly gig for about eight papers now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like to grow that, but I haven't grown it for a while. It's about, I think it goes to about five states now. It's impressive. And it, from the start, I said I did not. I don't want to be like anybody else's column. Whatever I do, I don't want to be like everybody else. And it's really everything from soup to nuts. It's cur dogs and squirrel hunting. 
and 22 rifles and a lot about shotguns. And I think I told you this earlier when we spoke. Sometimes I slip some what is possibly short stories, outdoor-related fiction in on them. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I really like doing that, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It's great freedom yeah. doing that. But I've been doing that newspaper gig for a long time. Then I retired in 2014, and I just went at it tooth and nail. I mean, I just pursued it. I don't know what the drive was, but I wanted to be, and I started going to SHOT Show and the NRA yearly uh, convention meetings, and uh, I don't know, man. I just went at it, and I've, I've written for, at one time, not all the time, for most of the magazines that are out there, and that's where I met. Really met, got with Richard and people like Adam Hagenstaller, who's the editor, mm-hmm. and a lot of other people, a lot of yeah. other editors and and people in that world. And it's it's something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a gr- I'm I'm being straight up with you. It's a grind sometimes oh, now sure. because I totally get in over my head with stuff. My wife keep saying when are you going to tell somebody no (laughs) (laughs) but i don't because i'm scared to death they won't call me back yeah but uh, uh, along with the thing of deadlines and everything which is really the bad part of any writing real writers will tell you that i'm not sure i consider myself that um it's all the people you meet on the trail Mm -hmm. you know it's I've been to some events and hunts and things and going to shot and meeting people at different gun companies and, and publishing houses, magazines and everything. And there's just, there's a bunch of great people out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been, I've been very fortunate to cross paths with a lot of those. Yeah, definitely. So I know, we talked kind of when we started. We talked about your new art, your article in the New Hound magazine, but you've written other cur and hound related articles for other publications as well. I mean, obviously, like you said, you've you've done a lot of outdoor writing in general, but you've I'm sprinkled you've sprinkled in some <laughs> some tree hounds throughout the throughout the stuff. You know your different things. Uh, I I guess I have. Uh, I've done squirrel dog related stuff. I did. Earlier, even a few years ago, I did more. I did a squirrel slash cur and feist related stuff for Outdoor Life two or three times. Okay. When uh, Andrew McKean was there as an editor, uh, he's a great guy, great editor, great writer. If you know him, and Andrew McKean, um, I've done some hound stuff, and I think you and I talked about this because you're nice enough to bring it up um i've done a good bit of bear hound stuff mm-hmm. because of what we have here we we have a a culture if you will yes you do of uh, bear hunters right here what i consider i talk about southern appalachia but we're probably in the middle appalachians what we have here in west virginia 
to me, the terrain, the hunters and the people is very similar, if you will. I'm giving you my opinion. Uh, it's close to eastern Kentucky, eastern mm-hmm. Tennessee, southwestern Virginia. Yep. We're all kind of in this crucible here, if you will. And I've written a good bit about uh, the bear hunters and hounds and how they hunt and this culture, really, that they have. It's not a I really, I said culture, but I've written about before. It's really a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Definitely. With a lot of these guys, and you, you, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir. You know about this, but it's the lifestyle of these guys that are, and and I, I can see them in my head right now. I might mention some of them that you know, if I called tonight and said, "Hey, you going? You're running dogs tomorrow? Yeah, we're going. Uh, what you going?" And I say, "Yeah, you know, meet me at six o'clock in Richwood." You know, yep. That's probably that's probably what they say, and. You know, this isn't like in having a dog or two in your kennel and you get them out three times a year and you take them hunting. I mean, they they have a large amount of dogs generally. <laughs> <laughs> they have a large kennel because they're always bringing something on. And oh yeah, you know the drill. And they're the the good ones, the serious ones. They are serious about their conditioning and training and everything. And they're doing something all the time with mm-hmm. those dogs. And, um, it, again, it's just not, I'm going to get him out a couple times a year and go chase a bear there. It, it's a lifestyle, not just I'm a bear hunter. Yep. No, like I told you the other day when we talked, if it was an option right now in my life, I'd be headed south to West Virginia to live there to be running pair dogs. Well, we probably got some room for you if, that, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. I I probably grew out of that phase, but I can certainly put you in with some guys <laughs> that uh, do that. And if you ever want to come over, um, you know, I'm sure there's a seat in the truck if you want to go. Oh, I know. I'm I'm quite I'm good friends with quite a few bear hunters and. That's what they all say. They're all like, let's go. Come on. Whenever you want to right, go. <laughs> right. And it's like, there you, you some say of that most, like it's like, you know, I don't live five or six hours from you. <laughs> well, then there's that. <laughs> that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, you know, it's not like I can be down there for a day and come home that night. <laughs> you're right. It's, it's not a day trip thing, is it? No. Um, but they are for all of their, uh, pros and cons, which we all have that in, you know, we're all just human here. Um, they are some of the most enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) and avid, you know, um, there's, they don't have much of a governor on them. The ones that I know, it, they're yeah. they're pretty full full speed. Yep. But like we talked the other day, um, they're probably one of the groups that you probably ran into the most when you're with your career as a game warden. Yeah, I, I did some. Yes, of course. You got to remember, I you and I talked about this. I'm telling on myself. I started in 1978. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and uh, we had a lot more coon hunters back then. Okay, that makes me and and now. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying we were ever covered up with them, but um, we, I, I think I mentioned this to I know we've got more people now with bear dogs than coon dogs. Yeah. Uh, I just, I never dreamed that we would see that, okay. you know. And when I, not that this matters, when I started, when I was a kid, coon hunting, and wandering around lost half the time in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, we did not have the raccoons we have now. I mean, man, if we treat a coon, we wanted to take a picture and put it in the Charleston Gazette, you know. It, it was kind of a big deal where I was at. It was southern, yeah. south, central, West Virginia. There were other places that had more coons in. But the coon population now, and you know all this, nobody, there's less people with coon dogs, No, not hardly anybody traps anymore. Oh, yeah. We we don't think we'll ever see the fur market, you know, like it was. And we've got coons everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot more people with bear dogs now. And yes, if you're the officer in that area, you... You know, this is one of the things that's in your job title. And you and I talked about this and, and what what I did want to get in. And it, there's no way to say this. Some people are going to take it, you know, wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I get misunderstood a lot. That's one of my great, you know, gifts. Uh, say something and somebody takes it entirely the opposite way. But. There are problems uh, with a certain bear hunting situations sometimes with the public and with the hounds and the hunters and the officer in the county. You know, that's why you're making the big bucks. You know, you you get called to those things, yep. and it's generally what what I saw and I think what I'm seeing now. I try to keep up you know, in contact with the guys as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be honest, I guess when I, early in my career, I wasn't for five years, I was stationed in Pocahontas County. If you know West Virginia, it's probably the most wilderness county, 80% of its national forest. It's, it's big country. Yep. And a lot of, there were a lot of bear hunters there then. It was, tradition there then mm-hmm. and back then i want to say we thought some of the biggest problems we didn't have this training season like we had now okay and in west virginia it wasn't it, it is now year round yep. i mean 24 7 you can run your coon dog your bear dog whatever i have some thoughts on that that's not always that popular with the bear hunters but <laughs> I just like to be able to discuss it. Yeah. And, but back then, I think we thought the biggest, some of the biggest problems was, you know, bear hunting out of season, you okay. know, and taking bear out of season. But now I think with the amount of, and, and I'm, I've been retired, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit to it. There's a lot of, you know, clashes, or, or there were with, 
the public, as in bear hunters, you know, on private land. Yep. And and you know this, and here here's the thing about bear hunting with hounds. It takes vast amount of land. Oh yeah. <laughs> to do that. When when you when you jump a bear, when the hounds get on the trail and the bear gets up running, I mean he might stay in a small area and go up on a tree and he may go across two counties. And you just, <laughs> you, you know, you don't know. Exactly. And if, if you're on, we, we have a lot of national forests, open land, and they do that. And there's some huge leases in some areas, timber company leases, and the bear hunters, you know, some of them take advantage of that. But sometimes they're going to get onto the private land thing and that, causes some problems sometimes and you know i'm not saying it's end of the world problems but it is problems sometimes and what i've said and the bear hunters that i know that'll listen they will agree my thing was they 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 need to when i say police their own ranks i mean be able to talk to the guys in their circle where they're might be a problem you know Mm -hmm. you don't want to hear those complaints about the landowner went out on his land he went for a hike or he went to the back 40 and here's a bunch of guys with bear dogs and guns and they confront him and say well our dogs came in here and we're going to go wherever we want to you know or something like that that's that's not good for any of us it's not good for bear hunting with hounds or hunters in general I might be naive, and some landowners may laugh at me, but I don't believe it's as bad as it used to. It okay. used to be because some bear hunters are doing what I said, policing mm-hmm. their ranks. Yeah. But that's just something. I have a whole thing about hunters working together, and I had this thing about hunter unity, which we may talk a little bit about later if you let me and it's all part of that same speech in my opinion where you know we we got to work together you know there's there's hunters and there's non-hunters and there's anti-hunters and we don't want to make the non-hunters a lot of people and you know this they just they don't hunt themselves. They don't really care if you do. Mm-hmm. They don't care what you do as long as you don't bother them. Well, we don't want to make anti-hunters out of non-hunters. Exactly. They're, they are a very large majority that, you know, yes. between the anti-hunters and us, and we kind of want to just keep them. They don't need to be a hunter. You don't need to be a hunter. You just need to not be against hunters. They're very well said. And... I want to say this before we get off of it, because I know I'm going to be taken wrong. The part I said about bear hunters, uh, I'm not against bear hunters. I'm not against bear hunting with dogs. I I love it. There's guys I like to go with. I cannot and don't want to do it myself because I've got three dogs too many right now. And uh, boarding and keeping and everything, as I'm sure you know, is enough to drive you crazy. <laughs> and um, 
and I'm all for it. And I want it very much want it to continue. And because I want it to continue, you know, I want people to wake up to the fact that sometimes people in those circles need to say somebody else maybe possibly, Hey, you need to tone it down in this, in this area right here. Yeah. And it's, it comes a lot better from your buddy telling you that than the game warden yeah. or landowner. So, yeah. you know, if your buddy's like, Hey, you got to kind of tone it down a couple notches here because right. you're just making things worse. That comes a lot better than the game warden coming in, telling you to cool it. And yeah. Then, then you're just even madder. And, and if, if I could interject this real quick, there's a, I believe there's a whole thing with some bear hunting crews or, or with some hunters, they think that the game warden or, or officer or whatever they call them in your state, you know, I never mind being called the game warden because we had a thing in my area. We were real game wardens. Okay. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be the guy that laid in the brush and caught the people they needed to and all that stuff. But game wardens, you know, they're not against bear hunting they're not against hunting with dogs they're not against hunting in general most of them got into this deal because they were the guy that wanted to hunt all the time and be up in a tree stand and all this other stuff you know in my opinion if they didn't have that bent they don't need to be doing what they're doing anyway Mm -hmm. you know and that's coming from an old captain who Sit on a lot of personnel boards and uh, sometimes express that opinion, <laughs> and um, which wasn't popular in later years. But they're they're not the game. The officer is not against that. He just has a job to do. And and, and I'm I'm getting to something real here. And I know I'm talking too much. And I know I told you that I would. You're, you're not talking too much. But but this thing about the bear hunters and the game wardens in my area, and I'm very proud of this. And and I didn't have much to do or anything to do with originating it. But it's the guys really that I work with. You know, in my area, District Four in West Virginia. And they do now several hunts. They do some things with, um, well, there's an acronym right there in front of me, and I can't do it. USSA, United Special Sportsman's Alliance, okay. it specializes in, you can look them up, USSA, and they specialize in make-a-wish type hunts. Yeah. And it started with young people, generally with life-threatening illnesses, and they, they started doing bear hunts with them, hound bear hunts. They do it right here in my area every year. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky enough that they still invite me to come and tag along and take pictures and write about it. I've written about it several times. And uh, the bear hunters, this bear, you know, bear hunters are big on having a group. There's mm-hmm. a large group that yep. several people that hunt together. And this group here that I'm talking about, Greenbrier and Nicholas County, and one of the main leaders of it is a friend of mine, a guy by the name of Kish, K-I-S-H, Justice. He lives at White Sulphur Springs, hunt a lot in Nicholas and Greenbrier County. Mm-hmm. 
and he and the officers uh, in this area, led by Sergeant Andy Lines and Dusty Allen and some of the guys, they worked together and put this hunt together. And, you know, it's it's a big deal, and it's yeah. a lot of work oh, yeah. to organize all of that. Mm-hmm. And they generally have two hunters. It's often uh, young people, like I talked about. They've also branched out in, in through this group and done some stuff with um, the wounded warrior type people, yep. with veterans. Mm-hmm. And they have been very successful. <laughs> I mean, these guys, I mean, they'll just run themselves on the ground to get these people a bear, mm-hmm. you know. And and they generally do it every year. And um, that's an example to me of the officers and the bear hunters working together. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Conkey's Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkey's motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkey's carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at Conkeys.com. You can also use the code TREETALKINGTIME5 in all caps to save as well. So you've had a very long, successful career as game warden, and now you've been having a very successful career as an outdoor writer. Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> I, I would say you you definitely have. And yeah. in your free time, you chase a couple of cur dogs, tree and squirrels. I, I, I do. I have one right now. I replaced my original one. Really, when I got back into it some years ago, just, you know, the dog, the one you don't think you'll ever replace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you know, having dogs, none of them live long enough. Nope. But I got back into the cur dog thing, and and it, 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 it's, it's similar, as you know, but not the same as hounds. And I'm not going to be able to articulate it very well, but there's just something about that type of dog and that hunting which to me is is squirrel and or coons mm-hmm. with a cur dog, a L- little different oh, yeah. than with hounds. Not you know start barking on a cold trail and run it a long ways before. I, there's something about me that likes that idea of a silent or almost silent dog, and he gets on that track, you know, and he gets up there and gets right on him before he starts barking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the which the cur dog guys say, well, if you want the fur, hunt a cur, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, timeless argument probably between hound and cur guys. Yep. But I just like it. I, I've written about some of their history, the origin of them coming from, you know, the southern Appalachians and how they kind of get to me. They kind of go with that. And now you find them all over. Oh, yeah. And um, it just, see, I'm not explaining it very well, but that whole genre, culture, whatever the heck it is, it just it just fascinates me. No, I agree. I, I love the history of the Kurt Dogs and 
I liked how they formed just out of a out of necessity. It wasn't, you know, the hounds were a specialty dog, mm-hmm. and then you had the bird dogs that were a specialty dog, and then you had these cur dogs that were just a little bit of mixed up of everything. Yep, you know, and and they did everything. So, yes, I, again, I I can't explain it, but I I just like that there. I see them as kind of from this area, which I am. Mm-hmm. And they're gritty, and it's not as, um, and, and believe me, you're not going to believe this, I've had more than two bird dogs. I, I used to consider myself, when we had grouse, mm-hmm. when we had rough grouse, which I don't think we do now, personally, uh, back in the day, I had pointers and setters and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's just different with curs. They're kind of, like you said, kind of do everything. I don't. I want my cur dog to tree squirrels and a coon. If he trees a possum at night when we're out after coons, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had to go in, and I'm really stretching out now into a barn and needed to do a rat killing, they could do that. Oh, you know? yeah. I just like that they're this versatile. Uh, gaming dog, yeah. you know, and I mean, you don't see people that necessarily use them in a lot of different ways as as you used to. But right. I, but every now and again, you see somebody do something with a cur dog. I've seen them, you know, they just pick something up or they'll learn something. Just more, it's part of someone's life, and, and they just need to figure it out. And cur dog steps in and. And figures yeah. it out. And I'm not saying other dogs can't do that. Sure. I just feel that the curs in general have been bred to be very versatile. And yeah. even though we don't necessarily do that very often, they still can fall into those different, that they can kind of yeah. find any, any niche they need to, to fill. Yeah. And when I say stuff, and, and listen, I, I, you know, I got a cur dog. I've had a couple of them. I don't consider myself a lifelong expert like some of the guys I can name, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Alan Franklin. And I've, I, I've made a good friend who's in Tennessee who's big in the cur dog world. His name is Mike Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's. He's had more, he's had at least a couple world champions with his yep. name on them and um, Hamilton's Abbey. Yep. And there's one called Mighty Mick. Who mm-hmm. it, it, it's getting to be like the famous dog streak. Everybody has him in his pedigree. But um, they, like you said, can do, as a sign of, you said they could do a little bit of everything. And people would tell me this when I first started with my first dog. They said, once that dog gets to know you and likes you and you keep him around and become his buddy, and when he really likes you, he's going to do things. And, and this could be for hounds, too, okay? I, when I say stuff about a cur, I'm not speaking anything against the hound, okay? I don't want anybody to think that. But they would, more than a couple guys told me, once they become your dog and they're really loyal to you, 
they'll do whatever they figure out that pleases you. They want to do that. And I would think to myself, oh, yeah, right. You know, come on. I mean, I know they're smart dogs, but you know what? It's true. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Very loyal dogs, very loyal to you. And it might might take a while. It might take a while, you know, for them to become, quote, your dog. You know, and I didn't really get that when I first started, but, you know, I do now. And because of this taking a while to get to know you and some curs, I think some of the hound guys and some of the other breeds like feist owners and everything, they'll scoff about curs, about it being them being too sensitive and whatever. And. I think it's that yeah, I'm I'm really stretching out now. It's that sensitivity thing, if you will, of them having this capacity to really bond, mm-hmm. you know, with you, the owner, and that I probably didn't explain that very well, but um it's one of the great things, you know, no, I, about fur dogs. I completely understand it. A lot of people listen to this. Or at least familiar with curs. I mean, my audience knows that I like a cur dog, so um, you're not the first cur dog guy that's been on here by a long shot. Yeah. And so a lot of the guys do understand that, and uh, and a lot of guys have said that. That's what makes them different. You know, a hound, yeah. a lot of hounds you can, I can unsnap, turn around, hand you the leash, you can unsnap. And guess what? They're going to go tree that coon or tree that bear, whatever they are, you know, whatever they're bre- trained to do. They're going to go do it regardless of who unsnaps the leash. Right. Mm-hmm. A little, and I won't say a lot of cur dogs. Cur dogs have changed a lot in recent history, but a lot less curs are going to do that. Yeah. More owner specific, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. No, that means, no, I would agree. I, I would agree with that. I bought a cur dog. It's been, I don't know, probably ten or twelve years ago, and uh, that's the way she was when I. A friend of mine hunted her a couple of times with with her owner. She treated some coon for him, and I said, "Buy her." And I said, "I'll come out in a couple of weeks and I'll get her." Went out there, and she would not hunt. Well, I mean, she would disappear. But she just looked like junk. She she slick treed some. She ran all night. I had to run her down and catch her. And, oh boy! And uh, you know, my buddy's like, I don't know what happened to this dog. It was just because she didn't want to hunt for me. Mm-hmm. She didn't know me, so she wasn't going to hunt for me. Isn't so, that fun? In about a month, Mid. she was fine, and after that, she's she's the best dog of her own. So. Oh, so she did come around. She did come around. She just needed. Yeah. She just needed to learn learn who I was, and isn't that something? But that first yeah. weekend when I went went out and picked her up and hunted her, I was like, "You paid, you you gave my hard earned dollars for this dog." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm not seeing what you told me you saw here. Yeah, and he felt bad. Yeah. He was gonna he was gonna try and make it right and I'm like, nah, I'll just take her and hunt her. I told you yeah. buyer. Uh well, I'm really glad that 
you're saying that she came around. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It just took about a month, month and a half for her to get to know me. Um, uh-huh. And after that, we were fine. Now, granted, she didn't like a pup. She wouldn't hunt real good if, if I had a young dog with me. Mm-hmm. But that's because she didn't like young dogs either. But if she, but if you hunted her with good dog, like an older dog that wasn't, you know, following her every step, she'd hunt just fine. Right. And, and heck, there was nights she looked good against some hounds. Huh. So. And that's um. Uh, it, 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 and quirky. of course, they're they're they're. Very good. That was the word I should have used. They can't, cur dogs can be what you would say quirky. But like all dogs, my opinion, they're all different. Oh, yeah. You know, and they all come up different. They all start different. There's a whole thing in the squirrel dog, tree dog world. And I know you know this. You read the ads, and now it's all on Facebook and everything else. Most of these guys, you know, they want to tell you this. Dog started treeing his own squirrel or coon at three months old, you know, and that's what a lot of guys want. And I think a lot of new guys need to guard against that. They get into this and they immediately want their dog, a young dog, you know, a year old or less to be treeing game. And it, it doesn't always happen like that, yep. you know. And sometimes it takes a while. And there's, and everybody told me this, the trainers and, People like Alan Franklin, you know, I talked to um, uh, Carl Smith, you know, one of the biggest names, had Smith Street, for mm-hmm. heaven's sake, icon in the cur dog world, and they all said the same thing. You just, you just got to take them to the woods and let them do their thing. And more than one of them said, every time you go, every, and you need to go a lot, and every time you go, it could get just a little bit better. It's mm-hmm. like this slow increment. And my dog, uh, Dotsy, that I started out with, you know, at first I was just thinking, what is wrong? I wanted her to go out and just run a squirrel up a tree and tree <laughs> it, you know. And it wasn't like that for quite a while. And she just slowly, slowly came along, you know, and boy, after a while, you know, when I finally lost her, I mean, there was no money could have bought her. I mean, she mm-hmm. was, she did some tricks. I saw her do some things, and I had her in more things in this whole crazy writing article, going with other writers and editors and on projects and stuff for videos. And I put her in all kinds of <laughs> terrible pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too much pressure for a little dog. But here is the guy boring, bragging about his dog. But Nope, not at all. Uh, she never let me down. I mean, she was just something, you know. How was she bred? Where'd she come from? Well, she she probably had a lot of thunder breeding in her, but but not all. She was a you know you see lots and lots of these dogs, these mountain curs that are brindle and white, mm-hmm. and that's how she she was pretty tall. She had long legs, and boy could she move, and. Um, 
boy, I can see the people's name. There's a lady that does a lot with the, uh, oh, they're going to kill me. I can't think of their name. I do this all the time. A fellow in Ohio, uh, I think I saw the original ad on the old Squirrel Dog Central. I'm not even sure if it's still running. Do you I'm know? I'm not sure. I know as a probably about a year ago it was. Okay. And this fellow, a nice guy. And it wasn't too far for me to go, just right across the river from West Virginia. And the lady, oh, my Lord, that's awful. I hope she doesn't hear this. But they had a line of dogs, um, and it it came from there. You know, it was Mountain Curve. Okay. And, uh, you know, maybe typical for one of these cur dogs. Started off slow. Now, of course, this is me. I was her owner. Of course, I thought she was wonderful. <laughs> May not have been a big competition dog. You know, there's a whole world about that. Oh, yeah. About a pleasure dog versus a competition dog. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this little dog that I've got right now, Abby, she probably came from dogs that were bred for that, but she's smaller. And probably the guy, and I, I do remember, made a good friend down in South Carolina, uh, Danny Nichols, okay, and yeah. his son Jeremy. You know him. Mm-hmm. He—that's uh, where my dog came from. Okay. And Adam Loudon, who I'm sure you know or have heard of. Adam was just Adam and Chuck were just on the podcast that, a couple weeks ago. They, they were on your show, and. Uh, he turned me on to this dog. He said, hey, I got a buddy that's got this young dog for sale. And uh, they thought, well, you know, he's, he's just not going to get out as far as his competition dogs need to. She's a smaller dog, maybe even not as loud, which I think she's plenty loud myself. And uh, But that's the thing here, this pleasure dog, competition dog, and flat ground and then there's here oh yeah and you i do not want a squirrel dog where i'm at that will you know easily nothing for them to go a thousand yards and tree you don't Mm -hmm. want that in this country i wouldn't (laughs) so she's uh you know so far she's suiting me pretty well good glad to hear it yeah yeah i saw a picture of uh of Adam in your your recent article, right? Uh, yeah, in the Hound magazine. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I got. Uh, I see Adam's son in there with one of his. I see Adam with a tailgate shot. Got a picture of my old dog Dotsie there treed. I'm not even sure where that is. That's probably down around the LBL where I was with uh, with. Um, Kevin Murphy, who's okay. another another person that got me. I started going down to see him many years ago, and I've had some good times down there with him. The oh, LBL and a lot of that public land in Western Kentucky. He's character, and uh, Kevin, as you know, he's kind of a institution in his own right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has since. Uh, got with the meat eater and some other people and yep. he's done more than a couple episodes with him, I think, but he's, 
he's a big squirrel dog guy, Kevin yep. Murphy. Yep. Anyway. Now, he was recent, uh, probably last, this past season, he went over to Norway and hunted with a friend of mine, Bear, over there. Really? Yeah. He was on my friend Bear's podcast. Yeah, I knew he was over there. I didn't know he was with somebody that you knew. Yep. Bear does a podcast for uh, W Hound Supply. And actually, me and Bear kind of started with W at the same time, and then I branched off not long after. So, hmm. well, good. But yeah, Bear's a good guy, and sound like Kevin had a good time over there. I'd say Kevin has a good time no matter where he goes. <laughs> <laughs> you are probably right. Like I said, he he sounds like he's quite the character. I've he, uh, never talked to him personally, but just following him on social media. Hard to describe, but he he's something. And I'm sure, you know, maybe you'd want to do a, a show with him sometime because he usually keeps several <laughs> tree dogs and beagles. Yeah. he He's into that big as well. I really got into the thing. I, I knew about it, but I didn't know about it of being with him and going different places with him into this swamp rabbit thing. Yeah. And Kevin's big on that over there in Western Kentucky and along the Ohio river and on some of those islands and in some of those marshes and stuff. And it is quite a bit different from hunting a regular cottontail. Oh, I'm sure. I've heard talk a little bit about it. Yeah. It's, it's something. (laughs) <laughs> and and it's a different rabbit. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really believed it, but when you put them side by side, they're uh, they're definitely different and a lot bigger. Okay. <laughs> Where can people find more stuff from you? Well, I don't know. Thank you for asking. I I have a website. Okay. That I would love for people. You know my. My brand and what I do my stuff under, and I picked this up some years ago now, is called Guns and Cornbread. Okay. So it's simply www.gunsandcornbread.com. And you can start there if -hmm. you're so interested. And I have a lot of my stories and articles there, older and new. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible website guy because I don't keep it up all the time like I should and we keep saying we're going to do better in that uh, on that we'll see I told you before and it's connected with there um, I ran a podcast for some time I haven't updated it for a while <laughs> but there's a connection there and I'm, I want to get back with my podcast guy and get going on that again, which, you know, you and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. And um, and if I could say this, and you're so nice for asking, on the website, and a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people say, Larry, that's just the coolest name for you. They love that, Guns and Cornbread. I, I write about really anything in the outdoor world, but I do a lot of gun stuff. Okay. And I just think, you know, that's one of my big focuses is writing on gun, reviewing guns and, and everything. I've done quite a bit of that. 
And the cornbread thing, people seem to like that. And they'll come up to me and say, you know, that's a really cool name and everything. But if I, if I could try to explain it, which I won't do a very good job, it's, there really was, believe it or not, some reasoning by that. To me, it just explains or in some way shows kind of where I'm from. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm centered. I've, I've been around a little bit, but I come from and I'm centered here in southern or middle Appalachia. And I'm proud of that and all the good stuff that does come from here and, and the hunting-related culture and everything. And cornbread was a one-word way for me to kind of show that, if yeah. you will. <laughs> no, I, I so, understand. So we're we're guns and cornbread, and we, we, we've been through a couple of different – we have a logo – that we use and people like that. And, you know, guess what? We have t-shirts and stuff. Cool. Well, I'll <laughs> so, make sure to put a link in the show notes for anybody that's interested. Check out the show notes. And um, I would really appreciate that. And a lot of people have asked about it. And we went through a lot trying to get with any you know, company that would help us with that. And we've got a company right here in West Virginia, Monroe County, West Virginia, that, that they do a great job of printing shirts and everything when and it when when you go to the website i believe that's one of the first things that pops up and if you want a guns and cornbread t-shirt i think they're going to do hats and hoodies and stickers and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um you might want to look at that because christmas ain't that far away no it's not (laughs) (laughs) so anyway well, great. Larry, I really appreciate you coming on here. Well, buddy, I hope it. Hope you didn't doze off too many times. Not at all. Well, I'll I'll be listening in. I'm, I know I'm going to become a, a fan of your <laughs> podcast, and may, maybe we'll keep track of each other. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.